Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is a glass tire podcast where we talk about topical art topics. I'm Brandon Zek. I'm Christina Reese. And today we're talking about artists getting kicked off of social media. Well, artists, but also just everyone getting kicked off of social media for various reasons. Uh, The reason we kind of started to hone in on this topic this week was because Betty Tompkins, who's a well-known New York-based artist, was kicked off of Instagram this week for posting a picture of one of her fuck paintings from 1969. Uh, This is a painting that's owned by the Center Pompidou. Uh, If you're in Texas, you might recognize Betty's name. She shows with PPOW Gallery in uh, Chelsea, but she was also in a show, Christina, I think that you wrote about called Black Sheep Feminism at the Dallas Contemporary uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, that was one of the best shows that the Contemporary's ever had, by the way. I like the work very much. Yeah, I got to see it too, and it was uh, a show of, well, the title is explains exactly what it was. Um, mm-hmm. So she posted a photo of this painting, which was the first in a series of photorealistic paintings that she made, uh, a lot of which depicted sex and genitalia, just kind of an up-close cropped shot. Um, and Instagram took this image down and... You know, her account went on as normal, but then the next day she found out that her her account had been deactivated for violating the infamous community standards and guidelines. Uh, And then about a day later, of course, she got press and she got a bunch of people to support her in her outcry Mm -hmm. uh, as it goes. And then her account was reinstated maybe about a day later. Uh, And apparently, according to an Art News article about this, uh, she didn't receive any information about the deactivation of her account. And in this follows, you know, just a couple of months ago, we ran a piece by Dr. Ruben Cordova of San Antonio, who had been using Facebook uh, as a place to host some of his original research, art research. And um, he wrote for us his account of being um, deactivated by Facebook. And actually his account, and he had uh, posted an image from a, a Met Breuer show it was a John DeAndrea uh, sculpture, a 1980 sculpture of a nude woman, primarily a, a nude woman, very realistic. You know, uh, DeAndrea, sort of like Dwayne Hansen or Ron Muick, you know, very hard for somebody to tell that it's not a real person. Um, his, his account was deactivated for two months, and he wasn't even, uh, and that got a lot of international press, actually. It certainly wasn't just Glass Tire. It was, it was everywhere. Um, he didn't even know that his account had been reinstated. Um, they didn't tell him that. It was an Italian art scholar who started to relink over to his account. That's when he found out that he had been reactivated. Um, so there's, but there's really countless examples of this, um, of art specifically, art being censored or banned by Facebook and Instagram, the same company, Facebook owns Instagram. Um, their community standards cross both platforms. So, um, you know, Richter and the Venus of Willendorf has actually been uh, banned from social media. I mean, there have been extremely, you know, some of the most cubist <laughs> Uh, Picassos that don't bear any resemblance to what we think of as an actual nude, you know, will get somebody banned from uh, from social media. Jerry Saltz has actually had some fun with this. He was getting banned pretty early on, like 2013, 2014, for posting. So in doing research uh, for our talk today in relation to artists or just people in general getting banned from Instagram for just kind of basic things that don't even really make sense. Uh, I came across, granted, it's a Daily Mail article, but an artist named Stephanie Sarley, who's from Oakland, California, uh, 
who made these very sensual videos of her stuffing her finger into fruits. And of course, all of the juices flowing out, oranges, peaches, you know, everything, it's sensual. But she was banned multiple times from Instagram because of <laughs> just those. And, you know, she considers it sure. part of her art, but it wasn't even art. It wasn't explicitly explicit, et cetera, et cetera. So the examples, you know, we could do a whole podcast just talking about and individual examples and just listing out all of the random things that we've come across. Oh, sure. And the, the thing about it is that, you know, like the, um, yeah, so there's, there's just too many, there are actually too many examples, but like if a Pulitzer prize winning I, iconic war photo has been, you know, banned from Facebook and Instagram, uh, a lot of people get upset about this. You know, there's this, there's this, you know, sort of this, um, this outcry, uh, by art fans or by history fans saying they're, you know, that they're limiting free speech. And I, um, I, d I'm not one to lose any sleep over these moments, these individual discrete moments of, you know, so-called censorship. It's, you know, these are corporations, even if they're publicly traded, they set their own policies. This is not a the U.S. government. It's not any government. There's no banning of free speech. That's just not how this world works. But at the same time, um, you know, the user base, we feel such an ownership of it that people really think of it as like community organizations. They're almost like community centers in a weird way, you know? Well, I, that's how they market themselves, but it's false. And when we hit these kind of walls, that's when we see that Facebook and Instagram want to market themselves, want to push themselves, want to seduce the public by saying we can be everything to everybody. Come here and share your world, you know, through our platforms. We want to believe that. And we see an awful lot of stuff on Instagram and Facebook. So we forget that things are being, we forget that there's just whole content moderator farms all over the world. Uh, of young people drastically underpaid, horribly underpaid, not making a living wage, having to go through all the content that goes up on these platforms, including, you know, some of the most gruesome possible violent, horrible material you could even consider. And I just think, you know, the beginning premise that Facebook and Instagram are community platforms that like a community center. I just have never bought into that to begin with. You know how I feel about social media as a, you know, as an art hosting thing. I'm not into it. I mean, it's good to get to see my friends work. I love that. I do not expect Facebook or Instagram to be the equivalent of a museum or an institution or art forum or an, you know, an academy, a university, none of the above. Let me redefine. So we do think of it as a community center. Of course, it doesn't feel that way. But in terms of the content moderation aspect, it's almost as if Facebook, Instagram, they are community centers, but they're community centers as if there were one person at the front desk for the entirety of the city. <laughs> it's like if all of the YMCAs in Houston had their own individual front desks, but there was only one employee. So they had to try and bounce around to all of the different ones. There's no way for anything to be caught or there's no way for anything to actually be moderated so it's a kind of a free-for-all community center until you get a community together and it starts to police itself which is kind of what happened to jerry saltz at least in his own opinion uh, in a vulture article that he wrote when he got kicked off facebook was uh he was talking about all of the people and how what he was posting wasn't actually you know a problem but how people's problems with what he was posting was the problem. 
So it's a self-policing issue in a way, or at least that's what he was saying around that time. Well, I think in his case, in as, as early as 2014, that may mostly have been true. I know that the community standards, um, a lot of it's contracted out, by the way. It's not like Facebook, you know, operates uh, personally all of its own content moderation farms. They contract this work out. Yeah. But um, now they just do have an extremely granular set of community standards. And so things are going to get ripped down without anyone reporting that Jerry Saltz has put a thing up. The the moderators will take it down. You know, I and and that's more true today. I don't think that somebody reported Ruben Cordova's nude. I don't think so. Maybe maybe they did and he just didn't know about it. But it could also just be that a content moderator caught it and took it down. Well, and by content moderator, you mean algorithm. No, these are human beings. Mm. These are human beings. There's thousands of them. They're in, uh, they're in the United States. They're in Phoenix. They're in Texas. They're in Arizona. They're also in Manila. They're in India. They're, they're all over the world. But, you know, I feel like what could have caught Dr. Cordova's um, picture was one of Facebook's algorithms that's designed to catch female nudity. Nudes. Designed to catch the image of a breast. Uh, because, you know, in his article that he, he wrote for us, Dr. Cordova talked about how in uh, a cake was also caught by Facebook's probably algorithm because I wouldn't imagine That's one right. of these content moderators would have flagged a cake. But the cake has little like round decorations on top that could look like breasts to a computer and more or less only to a computer. Yeah, but I mean, I think in some ways we're splitting hairs here. So if a robot or if an algorithm gets the nudity wrong, I don't know why... I still don't know why I would expect a, a, a young college graduate who's overworked and underpaid to understand that this is the thing. The gray area that art exists in, that so much art exists in, and the fact that it has been um, happily existing in the gray areas for now, you know, several centuries at least, in terms of artists being able to be perverse or subversive or do things that really are not flat-footed, they're not binary, they're not black and white. You know, I don't expect a young human being to be able to make these judgment calls either. It's professionals and other artists and historians and people who are interested in art that can do that. If I want to see Thomas Egan's swimming hole, um, there are a million websites that host that image. I don't need to see it uh, on Instagram or Facebook. And I don't expect, I don't, I just don't expect either the humans or the robots to do that job for us. I just, I just, I'm, part of it is I just don't expect that much from Facebook and Instagram, as you know. Yeah, well, and you know, part of what you're touching on also is the fact that we think we're special. <laughs> like us in the art world, we like to think that everyone knows what's going on and that we kind of have the privilege because we have this artistic weight or this artistic, really, it's a license that we make things or artists make things or, you know, as critics, we look at the artists who make things and we really, we regard that pretty highly. And, you know, you can kind of tell a little bit of that nod that Instagram even makes within their uh, community guidelines because the word artistic actually appears in the word paintings and sculptures. Those two words also mm -hmm. appear. And, you know, I'm, I haven't done a search of it, but probably the word engineering or doctor or like other professions or other focuses that people have don't appear in these guidelines because in a way, 
you know, our, our kind of self-righteousness is justified because, yeah, what we do is different and can come off different and it's a visual uh, community and a visual medium and that's really what especially Instagram is. But at the same time, it gives us a credibility to throw a fit whenever something happens and, you know, in the eyes of the computer or in the eyes of the moderator, it's just another thing and we're not special like we think we are. Yeah, that's part of it. But, you know, almost every sort of... Uh, increasingly splintered section of of all communities are feeling pretty special these days uh, on the right, on the left, and everything in between. I was trying to think of other industries that would be dealing with um, this kind of version of um, uh, misunderstanding of their industry. And one would possibly be the medical and research industry, that they would have, you know, images taken down, Um of cadavers or, you know, certain kinds of medical research that are happening on dead humans, live humans, animals, those would probably be removed and people's uh, accounts would probably be deactivated. You know, Um, at the same time, I have to come back against that with, but in general, they don't post that stuff on Instagram because they know that would be removed, you know? That's why... (laughs) They already know. That's why I know some people who are in med school and they have communities that are made for things like that. So should we expect Instagram to police art like this when other industries wouldn't even use it as a medium to put their stuff out there? You know, we don't have medical students putting photos of cadavers they've dissected in their classes on Instagram because they have a community for that because they know it wouldn't be welcome on something like this because it could possibly be offensive. Well, I don't know, and we don't. And actually, I do think that some medical research stuff is is caught and taken down. Uh, probably very young research students; they may not have a sense that you can't put this kind of imagery up. But I think, you know, should we be policed, or should art be policed or censored? They're just having to censor and police a ton of different kinds of imagery from all different sections of the world, and. If art gets censored in the process, I just, I, I'm just, again, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I like that there are ways to build even art communities through social media when it's done in a quite interpersonal way. Um, that makes some sense to me. But again, I'm not going to go to Facebook or Instagram to really dig in and start getting philosophical about art uh, unless I'm actually just dissecting, you know, how art performs on on these platforms another article that i was reading in preparation from this on the washington post was about erotica artists who were upset because their content was getting taken down from instagram and that's an even more kind of touchy it's like you you know just the line of how far are you going to go to advocate for your art that might explicitly violate a community guideline. I can counter what I just said with the fact that there are other platforms that are increasingly starting to police things in a way that make people unhappy and that really make it so that there isn't a generally held uh, community for something like this. Like I know Tumblr has recently gotten a lot more strict about uh, not safe for work content. I think it dumped all of it. And you know, that was probably 90% of Tumblr's accounts was just adult content. And as far as like uh, 
pornography uh, performers and stuff like that, them getting their Instagram accounts uh, banned or dropped or deactivated. Some of it is community reporting. You've got, you know, whistleblowers who are looking at this stuff and trying to get this stuff taken down either because they've got kids or because they're religious or because they hate porn, maybe because they secretly love porn. I don't know. But, and then you probably also have moderators taking some of it down. You probably have some algorithms that are in charge of that. But again, you just, you're just meeting head on the limitations of a, a platform that's being used by truly billions of users. It's just not specialized. And art is. It just is. So what's the solution? You know, one of the complexities of this conversation also is that we're talking about how sometimes it can be a travesty that people are banned and get eyes off of their work. Uh, when you wrote an article recently talking about how everyone should get off Instagram or how rather artists <laughs> should get off of Instagram, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there are in all of these accounts of artists getting kicked off of Instagram, of course, uh, you hear from the artists a that are the most upset about it or B who are the most famous artists. So then them getting kicked off to Instagram is a story like Betty Tompkins or like Jerry Saltz or like Richard Prince or Philip Kramer who got off, uh, who got kicked off of Instagram for not sexual things, but maybe for copyright infringement quote, quote for using images of celebrities and or Donald Trump. I just think, I mean, my sense is people should probably put a lot less stock into into these platforms and, you know, use it as best they can and enjoy it, but don't use it as a way to, I don't know, don't, don't put too many uh, eggs in that particular basket. It's not going to perform well for you in the long run if, if you're an artist and if you're making, especially if you're content is at all difficult. I just don't think that you should count on Facebook or Instagram to be something that's going to help carry you any, any distance. I think that you should just be more philosophical and a little bit more sort of laid back up. Just be chilled about it. It's like, okay, so if I can't see this particular work on Instagram, I can go to, you know, MoMA's website and see it there. And there it's put into context. But you know, there's a complication to that of the people who don't have the work in MoMA's website. Right. The biggest pushback against my Instagram uh, op-ed was from artists who are having a hard time reaching a larger audience, would like to reach a larger audience. They know that there's a tremendous audience possible for them to reach out there on Instagram and Facebook, and they want a, the right to do it. And I say that this, this is true with all... all companies and corporations to me as far as and, and capitalism if people want to defend that it's like if you don't like the way instagram and facebook are doing things then start your own platform i mean i don't know why there's not an art oriented platform social media platform that really is for people in various art scenes and in the greater art world because facebook and instagram they can't they can't handle it and they shouldn't be expected to handle it. There's just too many nuances and too many gray areas. If, they, if we need a social media platform specifically for artists to promote their work, then somebody should start one. Well, you know, that's something that I think different people have tried to do in different regards. Like uh, Houston uh, just recently had Monteca HTX, which is uh, mm -hmm. kind of a registry almost for Latinx artists living and working in and around Houston. Um I mean, I, I wouldn't argue this, but I could see someone saying that artsy is kind of sort of a weird online type platform. But of course, it has uh, pretty high membership fees for galleries, and I think it'd be kind of unusable for a single artist. Also, there's no 
good interactive social platform app. So that's, a, that's an inhibiting factor. Well, I mean, you know, these things change all the time. Technology is moving at the speed of light, <laughs> truly. And, um, you know, any day now somebody could start a platform that would actually work just because there isn't one that, uh, that is in operation right now doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. Again, I guess my bottom line is, look, if I'm going to go on Facebook to check out, see what my friends are up to or what's going on, or I start scrolling around on Instagram, which I do, even though I really, really, really dislike it, um, and I do it to keep up with news and, you know, events and things like that. But if I can't see an image of a particular Picasso and, but the benefit is that I'm also not looking at images of animal torture or children torture or, um, decapitations or gruesome, gory, horrible, uh, imagery then it's it's fine i i just I, it's fine they're just they're doing the best they can They'll, i mean for the most part this is all just humans trying to do the best they can i think you'd be hard pressed to find someone saying that there shouldn't be any moderation whatsoever to have that be the solution <laughs> to this because oh my gosh yeah because yeah. we've seen the fallout when you know when facebook decides that it wants to be the biggest news aggregator uh and then realizes um the all the shit consequences that come from that, and then they've got to pull back on that. I mean, you know, if you want a free for all, that's what 4chan used to be. There are there's darknet if you need that sort of thing. I mean, I don't know why our darkest impulses have to be out there for everybody to see anyway. And if an artist wants to do something very dark and they then it's art, that's fine. Again, it doesn't have to be on these giant global social media platforms. It's, uh, you know, it reads the audience that you need to reach. There's a lot less social responsibility in these companies than they make us believe. Which is something yeah, that we're they, all... That's, which, the, that's the catch. And that's something that we that's already catch know. Is, it's something we already yeah, know, but yeah. when something like this happens, we get outraged and forget about that, and then we gradually remember it. I'm very, very sorry that Ruben Cordova went through what he went through. I don't think he deserved it. I would love to think that the humans on the other end of this decision-making were in a position and getting paid well enough and had a sense of context enough before starting their jobs that they could have helped him deal with that and done it responsibly. That's just not the world that these platforms operate in. It's just not. Uh, I'm glad that his account has been restored. I was very happy that he wrote a piece for us, but I just, again, I don't come to this uh, social media world with any high expectation. Well, you know, one of the ironic parts about this whole conversation, um, kind of circling back in something that I thought about when thinking about uh Rainey's talk that she's been giving across Texas, which there is a video of up on Glass Tire, uh, which also addresses a lot of the kind of follies of social media, is that whenever we have these conversations about how someone's work has been taken off of this taken off of this platform and it's so horrible, it's just getting a lot more promotion to the platform because you're saying its name over and over and over, which is just you know again mm-hmm. something that we all know but don't quite realize until it's pointed out in front of us or we actually stop to think farther about it. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. And I think also because, you know, Brandon, you and I, this is the world we live in is online. I mean, Glass Tire exists as an online platform and we're having to make granular decisions every single day as well about what goes on the site and what doesn't and why. And while that's all uh, much more 
customized to the art world, obviously. Um, it's also so we still have to be aware of the larger world, and we are, and changing politics and shifting, uh, shifting kind of socioeconomic factors. Uh, I don't. I just. I think I'm living in that world already so much anyway that the idea of having to get angry <laughs> at Facebook or Instagram for. Again, they're poor moderators. I think I just feel so bad for their moderators. You know, they don't, they burn out very quickly. They only can take the job for three to five months before they're done because they can't take that much awful imagery. And I guess I worry more about them than I worry about the artist whose, you know, account was taken down. Oh, yeah. I would much more kind of be sympathetic in thinking about the person that has to deal with violence and child pornography and all of the horrible things that come from people's impulses on the internet for 10 hours a day, then I would be sympathetic to the artist whose one piece gets taken down. Granted, getting accounts suspended is a horrible, horrible thing, especially in someone like Dr. Cordova's case, because, I mean, putting all of your research and all of your, uh, and all of your efforts into something like this, you know, it's like, it's like putting all of your documents into Dropbox and then all of a sudden Dropbox goes bankrupt and it's just gone. You think it's going to be there forever. That's true. We have stock in these companies. We have um, we have social stock in these companies, which makes us think that they're going to be around for forever. But I mean, look at MySpace. I thought my MySpace would be around for forever. And, you know, I think there was some <laughs> there was some article the other day that came out about how in a data transfer MySpace lost all accounts before like 2008. It's just they lost an insane yeah, horrible. I saw that. They lost an insane horrible <laughs> amount of data that's like, wow, you messed up so bad when you did this. Uh, and to be an online <laughs> media company, you know, it's just to show that we kind of can't actually put our stock in this and that this doesn't last forever. Yeah, we shouldn't be putting stock into the digital world that much. Any, I mean, a giant solar flare could happen, and the internet gets knocked out for a year. I mean, that's our that's our world. That's our livelihood. I'm not. I'm sympathetic in that regard, but I just I also think that it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like um, it's just sort of like sandcastles. I mean, our whole world that's based on the uh, on digital media is just yeah. We can't. We just can't count on it. I don't count on it. Maybe I'm a little bit of like a what's it called a prepper. Maybe I'm just too I'm just too prepped for the idea that I'm gonna have to take my five hundred dollars cash out of my desk drawer and you know. And you're gonna have to write all of your art reviews by candlelight. Um, we'll only be able to write about painting. It'll be like the Renaissance again. Maybe a little sculpture thrown in. Yeah, there. Yeah, I'll have to go nail. I'll have to go nail it to the door of the nearest <laughs> church if anyone's gonna read it. Absolutely. If that's the worst thing that happens in my life, I can probably survive it. Um, yeah, I know. I know. I think th I like this conversation because I I think that we just as humans we're creating these this machine for connecting that we still just don't have very good understanding or control over um and that includes how the art world intersects with social media absolutely and um i just I, I would take it a lot more seriously if i thought that that was the best and only way for art to exist but it's such it's just such a johnny come lately sort of invention as an art tool that I still just, I just don't put, again, I don't put too much talk into it. You know, I'll, I'll kind of leave us with this. Uh, I'm always a little 
shocked and surprised, and it's kind of bad to be shocked and surprised about this, but uh, the other day I was in the Menil collection and I saw a Houston artist talking to a class of theirs, and they were talking about how paintings and art just in general doesn't look the same on Instagram or on a phone as it does in person. And the fact that we're still having that conversation and that it's still relevant and that, you know, even Christina, when you and I do top five videos, we always have to say, we're going to show you some photos, but the art mm -hmm. doesn't look like this. You have to go actually see it. Mm -hmm. I think it just kind of reinforces how embedded all of this technology and Instagram specifically is in our culture that we always feel the need to reiterate this, even though I think we know this, many of our readers know it, many of you listening to this podcast know it, people who watch our top five videos, we all know that art doesn't look the same, but we continuously have to remind ourselves and remind everyone else mm -hmm. about it because we forget it. We forget that. Yeah, art as an experience can be experienced in so many different ways and so many in, in in time and space it can be experienced in so many different ways and Instagram was just one little tiny piece of that much much bigger picture. All right. Yeah, that's that's it. We know this conversation has been held in multiple different ways by multiple different people and it's been the topic of 10,000 uh op-eds just yesterday. So Mm -hmm. feel free to leave comments <laughs> and let us know your thoughts yeah, sure. because inevitably you have thoughts. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And with that, uh, we hope everyone has a good week and, uh, you know, artists, um, go ahead and post your stuff on Instagram. I'll probably, <laughs> I'll probably see it. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you as much as I don't like the platform. I don't blame you for putting your stuff out there. But more importantly, go see some art. Go see some art. Mm -hmm.